I want to read a couple verses in your hearing before you're seated. I want to welcome all those that might be watching online right now or maybe later. We welcome you in Jesus' name. If you're a guest here today, we give you a Calvary welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Praise God. But I also want to encourage you, don't just watch online. Don't just watch from home. Come and be faithful in the house of God. Faithfulness still matters. Come on, I need a better amen from all those that are in the house right now. Faithfulness still matters. Yes, it does. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. Amen. We're so glad all of you are here. Thank you for the, the family of God, for being here today. Praise God. Did you know you're a holy church? This isn't in my notes, and this has nothing to do with my message today, but I feel led to tell somebody today, you're a holy church. You say, I don't feel holy some days. Well, that's okay. You're still a blood-bought, overcoming, holy church that Jesus Christ has paid for, he bought, and he's coming back for it. He's not coming back for a carnal church. He's not coming back for a backslid church. He's coming back for a holy church. Oh, yes, he is. That was free. I won't charge you for that. I just felt led to remind somebody today, you're part of something pretty big. Yeah. How many know the church is worldwide? We start thinking we come to this address and we think this is the church. No, the church is global. The church is, the church is everywhere where they're walking in truth and they're believing on the name of Jesus Christ, where the gospel of Jesus Christ has been accepted in their life. Amen. The church of God is global. And some of the churches isn't even meeting in buildings. They're underground. They're secret. But the, the church of God is global. You're part of something big today. Hallelujah. I was working in a house one day. I'll get to my message in a second. I was working in a house one day, and I had hung up plastic on all the doorways because we were spraying in a house. And it created these little nine-millimeter partitions between the house. But it was, a, it was a barrier, if you will, because I didn't want the overspray of the paint to get in the rooms that were blocked off. But I noticed every time we opened the door to the garage, every barrier moved. And I found out the hard way because I was working alone one day and I kept hearing noises at the other end of the house. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? I think I'm alone. So early in the day, I went through the whole house, made sure I was alone, and yet all day I kept hearing that, that noise. And there was a shifting in the atmosphere. Every time I opened the door to the garage, it changed the atmosphere. And I was at one end of the house, and I moved something in the atmosphere, and something shifted at the far end of the house. We, 
I mean, that's common. We learned that in grade school now. Air has mass. And when you move air, it shifts the whole thing. But we don't think about that. We think, well, I'm here, so I'm shifting right here. No, no. When you're here and you're shifting right here, God takes your prayer. God takes your faith right here. And he sends it over here. And he moves something. That's what's happening in Calvary. Amen. We're praying right here, right here in our lives, right here in our moment. And God takes that faith and he goes somewhere in our lives or someone else's life and he moves something. Oh, aren't you thankful for the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith that moves things in the spirit. Hallelujah. So you today might be in Paducah, Kentucky, praying a prayer for someone else. Can I encourage you today? There is no time and there's no distance in the spirit. When you pray here, it moves there. When you claim it here, it's claimed there. When you believe God here, he moves it there. Oh, yes, it has. God moves when God's people pray. Aren't you thankful for that? Hallelujah. I may get to my message today, but I just feel a little bit stirred in the Holy Ghost. God is moving some things in the Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? God is moving some things. God's moving some things in some lives here. Hallelujah. And all it takes is a little step of faith. And God honors that, and he begins to move things. Hallelujah. Move if God tells you to move today. Hear this pastor today. Move if God tells you to move today. Oh, well, that's just me. No, it's not you, and it's certainly not the devil. He's not going to tempt you to move in the Holy Ghost. It's God. It's our flesh that wants to hold back and rationalize it and say, oh, that's not necessary. I don't have to do that. Maybe we do. Maybe we do have to move to shift some things. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach to you today, I promise. Luke 17, verse 26. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I feel liberty in the house today. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying and being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. I want to take my message from the first verse that we read. And just as it was in the days of Noah... I want to preach to you today as in the days of Noah. You may be seated. God bless you. As in the days of Noah. Words that ring true after all these millennia. As in the days of Noah. Much like the days that we are currently living in right now. It's 2021. Can I tell you? It's much like the days of Noah. There was so much sin in the days of Noah. I want to caution you, church. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, not what the world's doing. I'm not saying close your eyes to what the world's doing. 
Keep your finger on the pulse of things that are moving in the earth. That's okay. We can know world events. We can know current events. That's okay. But we're not waiting on the world to get it right for us to be right. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your head in the book. Hallelujah. We're not waiting on the world to wake up and get it right. Listen, as long as the world is the world, there's a prince and a power of the world, and his name is Lucifer. His name is Satan. And he's been given dominion, part dominion, over this earth. The Bible says that. He is the prince and the power of the air. There is a, an atmosphere in this world that is inherently carnal. We live in a carnal, fallen world. Stop waiting on the world to wake up and make you feel like you're getting it right. You're going to be a fish out of water sometimes. You're going to be the odd man out or the odd woman out. You're going to be that person that doesn't line up with everybody else. Quit waiting to fit in. You're never going to fit in in a fallen, carnal world if you've been restored, if you've been renewed, if you've been brought alive again by the Spirit of Christ. There's going to be a lot of things in your life you're not going to fit in. Quit trying to fit in. Huh? Bible says you're in the world but not... Uh Uh-huh. You're not of the world. So you're going to be in the world. Go ahead and be different. Go ahead and be who God's called you to be. Go ahead and walk in the anointing that God's given you. Go ahead and be what God is calling you to. Don't worry about what the world's doing. They're not going to cheer you on. They're going to cast stones at you. They're going to cast words at you. They're going to look at you funny. That's okay. They did it to Jesus. He said, don't be afraid. They mocked me too. In fact, I would say, if you're not being mocked and criticized for what you're living, you may not be living it well enough. Hello. Quit waiting on the world to cheer you on. You're supposed to stand up for the Word of God. You're supposed to line up with the Word of God. And the darker the night, the brighter our light gets. Stop trying to blend in. God wants you to be a light to this world. God wants you to shine in a dark world, not blend in and be dark with them. Hallelujah. Be careful what you're trying to line up to. Be careful what our alliances are. For whatever good motive we may think we have, at the end of the day, if it doesn't line up to the Word of God, we got to follow the Word of God. It was dark in Noah's day. It was sinful in Noah's day. In fact, Genesis 6 and 5 puts it this way. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Listen, the shape of this world is not because God doesn't love us or love the world. The shape of this world is because man has taken it to an all-time low. And I would say not even man. It's we're serving the wrong one. It's 
the prince and the power. It's really not even our fault. And I'm not abdicating everybody of responsibility of their own actions. We are responsible for our actions. If you act it out, it becomes yours. But can I tell you, even when you're acting out that thing in your life, it's not you, it's the sin in you. It's the enemy against us that wants to work evil deeds in our lives. Can I help you today? There's a solution to the sin in our lives. There's a solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that was pure enough to hang on a cross and, and pay for our sins. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that the sin in our lives can be taken care of because of one man that hung on a cross? I'm so thankful. There's a solution to the problems of this world. Hallelujah. The world isn't getting dark because God's doing it. The world's getting dark because too many is serving the wrong master. Too many is following the wrong voice. Church, like never before, we need to hear the clarion voice of the word of God and the spirit of God. There needs to be a true sound of the trumpet in these last days where we only listen to one voice and we know the voice of our shepherd. We know the voice of our master and another we will not follow. Another we will not follow. Doesn't matter how much they paint it up. Doesn't matter how much we, we smooth it over and we try to make it look good. Another we will not follow. Except for the word of God. Let all others be liars. Except for the word of God. Hallelujah. How about, how about we incorporate, we're all wrong except for the word of God. That would be the best way to approach it in our lives. We're all completely wrong unless we line up with the word of God. Hallelujah. Another we will not follow. The Lord saw the wickedness of man and it was great in the earth that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. And so much he goes on to verse 6. It says that God repented that he had made man. Not that he had sinned, but the word repented means he turned from, he was sorry he made man. What, what a, an astonishing statement to hear. The creator of all things, including man that's made in his own image. God was sorry he made man. Oh, he created them. It wasn't that God didn't love mankind. It was that man had fallen so far into wickedness and depravity from the state of perfection that he had created them in. Imagine a creator that creates something in his own image. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made us in his own image. And they fell so far that God was sorry that he made them. In fact, it, they just basically did whatever they pleased. Whatever came to their mind, whatever came to their heart, they did it. They justified it. They made it okay. Folks, that's the world we're living in right now. You can do whatever you want and we'll find a way to justify it. We'll do every, every abominable thing and we'll justify it. Amen. I'm going to get touchy today. It still matters what we believe. Don't you let a political climate come in and cloud what the Word of God says. 
I believe there's restoration for every sin, but we got to call sin, sin. Stop making everything okay just because you want everybody to go to heaven. Sometimes you got to tell people, here's why you're not right. It's time to get right. Huh? And I'm going to speak out boldly, and I, I don't say much about this. Abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. Do I love the people that make the mistakes? Absolutely. Paul was also a murderer. David was a murderer, and God loved him. We're going to love people no matter what their actions are, but we still got to call sin, sin. I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred more. I don't care what their lifestyle is. They're welcome here. We're going to love them in their mistakes, but we're not going to condone lifestyle that doesn't line up to the Word of God. Hallelujah. So when I say everybody's welcome, I mean everybody that has made a mistake is welcome in this house, beginning with this pastor. You got to get in line behind me. But they're all welcome. But if you think that's code for they're all welcome and we're just going to make them feel good and in their sin, no, we're going to preach the word of God. Because it's the word of God that breaks. It's the word of God that breaks chains in our lives. It's the authority. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And if we're not preaching the truth of God and we're smoothing everything over, God help us. God help us. If we're Noah in, the, in those last days and we didn't preach truth, get in the ark. It's up to them to decide. But listen, the ark door is closing someday and we've got to preach, get in the ark. Hallelujah. It matters what we believe, folks. And I'm not going to dissect every doctrine we believe or every, every current thing that we're battling, but we're living in a world that wants to dumb everything down. It wants to paint everything as acceptable. I'm sorry, everything is not acceptable. Sin is still sin. Church, we got to stand up for what is right and stand against what is wrong. What we've got to do better at is loving people that are still doing wrong. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You want to be like Jesus, start loving the person that's making the mistake that rubs you wrong. Go and find that person that just rubs you wrong. Well, I disagree with it. Well, get over yourself. They need love in their lives. How am I doing? You were just shouting with me a minute ago. I'm against sin. Well, now I'm telling you, love the sinner. Come on, somebody say amen in this house. Love the sinner while they're still sinning. Woo! We don't like that kind of preaching. No, they got to come be like us for us to love them. That's so shallow. You're shallow if that's what you believe. We're shallow as a church if we only accept those that believe like we believe. If we only accept people that are living in the full truth like we're endeavoring to. And by the way, nobody has 100% of all the truth. 
Even Paul says we see through a glass darkly. He wrote two-thirds of the Bible, and he says, I still see through this, this, this tainted window, but one day we're going to stand before him, and we'll be seen as we are seen. So even now in all the truth that we think we're walking in, and I believe we are walking in truth, otherwise we need to shut up the doors, turn the lights off, and go somewhere else. I do believe we're preaching truth. But we got to stop this whole, well, they got to have everything like us to come here. No, they don't. No, they don't. But here's where I draw the line. We're going to preach the truth while they're here, though. We're going to get them in here and love them as they are. If they're hooked on drugs, we're going to love them on drugs. If they're hooked on some substance, we're going to love them on that substance. If they're in an alternate lifestyle, we're going to love them in an alternate lifestyle. Pastor, you're condoning it. No, I'm not. I'm loving people. We need to love people. Hallelujah. But don't stop short of telling them the truth. Don't get busy condoning everything just to make everybody feel accepted. Listen, church, I'm preaching both sides of the coin today. We got to love people that don't look like us. But when they get here, guess what? We got to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we got to tell them the truth. Why? Because their soul hangs in the balance. Yes, their souls hang in the balance. We got to tell people the truth in love. Hallelujah. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, when Jesus is coming back, and oh, soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. He's coming back, church. Oh, I know we've, we've heard it for decades. I've heard it my whole life. I'm 50-something, and I've heard it since I was a little kid. Jesus is coming back, and we start to dismiss it. We start to discount it. We, think, we keep shoving it off. Well, it didn't happen in the 70s. It didn't happen in the 60s. It didn't happen in the 80s or 90s. It didn't happen in the 2000s. Here we are, 2021. Is he really coming back? I'm here to tell you, yes, he's really coming back. And we're closer than we've ever been. Wake up! Wake up! Every apostolic believer, wake up! Every backslider, wake up! Every sinner hooked on your sin, wake up! Oh, I'm calling in the Spirit today. As in the days of Noah, there still needs to be a clarion call. Get in the ark! Get in the ark! Oh, because a man's fall into sin, there was murder everywhere. There was immorality rampant. Those that, that mocked God and, and, and the family and the, the man of God, hard-hearted people who would not repent. Oh, they got right with God on the outside of the ark, though. They wanted to. Oh, they got honesty when they're beaten on the side of the ark and the door was shut. Come on, there is coming a day. We don't like to preach this way. We don't like to hear this way. There's coming a day when the door's going to be shut. The trumpet's going to sound. There's going to be a great calling up to heaven, and the church is going to go. Every believer's going to go, and they're going to wish that somebody told them to get right. 
Stop mamby-pambying around. It's time to talk to people. It's time to encourage them. And if you don't know how to do it in a loving, kind way, get to an altar and get a, a fresh dose of the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to serve everything on the tip of a spear of conviction in heaven and hell. How about you serve it on a platter of love? Serve, serve that reach on love. But reach, because the door's closing soon and very soon. I'm not afraid to preach this message because I feel in the spirit there's some shifting. I grew up in this and I wondered how we would ever see prophecies come to pass. I wondered how we would ever see World War III. We were a million miles from that ever happening. Here we are. Here we are. And I'm not prophesying anything is imminent or happening, but I'm saying we're in the spirit. I can tell things have shifted. And if you don't see it, you're burying your head. There are things that are shifting in this world that I never understood how we could get here. And yet we're here. Hatred. Hatred for one another. Hatred. Immorality. We're redefining every, and I'm so sick of the spirit of this world trying to tear down masculinity in this world. We still need men to be men. Stop tearing down everything that looks masculine as, oh, that's, that's overtly or covertly masculine. Well, whoopee, we need men to be men. Now, maybe we don't need men to walk around flexing all the time and, and, and you know, we, we don't need all that testosterone just flying everywhere, Right? But we need men to be men. And there is a spirit of this world that wants to get generic with everything. That whole blurred line between the sexes. God made man and woman and saw it was good. If you're struggling with an alternate lifestyle, I love you and God still loves you. But you're not getting a baby with two men. And you're not getting a baby with two women. God made it that way because he has endorsed procreation. That is a gift to man. And some would call it a curse if you've been through labor. But children are a blessing of the Lord. And you don't get the blessing of the Lord when we mess with the lines. How am I doing so far? If they're living in it, we're going to love them. You hear this, pastor. If somebody walks in here and they're struggling with blurred lines, you're going to see this pastor walk up to them, shake their hand. I'll hug their neck. I'll pray for them in the altar. But you're also going to hear this pastor preach the truth of God. And you should do the same. Love them and tell them the truth. How are we doing so far? Hallelujah. Why are you preaching this way? Because as in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes back. We got to get to preaching the truth, loving the truth, holding on to the truth, but giving it in love. While they're yet sinners, we've got to give them the truth. Hallelujah. And the devil is so sly. First he plays the tempter, and then he, as soon as you give in to the temptation, he switched to the condemner. 
He tempts you, tempts you. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you, go ahead. No, it, it, what, what does anybody care? Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead and do what you want. You don't need anybody else's opinion, much less the word of God. Go ahead and do what you want. Just make it up in your own mind if you want to. And I'm going to call out that spirit from 2020 that revealed itself in the privacies of our homes where we were locked in, shut in, and, and disconnected from people. There was a spirit that rose up in the hearts and the minds of many, especially our young people, but a lot of people, and now they're so confused. I come against that spirit in Jesus' name. It might be manifesting in a natural, physical way, but there's a spirit behind it. And in Jesus' name, I tear down every convoluted line that the enemy has brought up. I tear down every blurred line that the enemy has tried to bring into this church. In Jesus' name. Huh? Ultimately, when you follow the wrong leader, you're going to do dumb stuff. Stop being shocked over the world doing dumb stuff. The world's going to do dumb stuff. And you know what? You give yourself over to sin, you're going to do dumb stuff. Some of you have come out of some dumb stuff. And maybe dumb is crude to you, but I look back and some things are just dumb. What the world were we thinking? What the world were you doing when you did that? I'll tell you what you were doing. You're just serving the wrong master. But you get Jesus Christ working in your life and you begin to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. You begin to walk in the spirit and begin to take down principalities and powers. Why? Because you're becoming alive in the spirit and you're dying out to the flesh. Don't you look down on somebody who's just fulfilling the deeds of the flesh. Sure, they can do better. But all they're doing is they're just serving the wrong master is all they're doing. And who here hasn't done that? Who here hasn't served the wrong master in your life? Sure we have. But to God be the glory. He did not leave us where he found us. None of us have a claim to fame. Nobody cleaned ourselves up. Nobody picked ourselves up by the, the bootstraps. Jesus Christ picked you up. Jesus Christ came and found you and picked you up out of the miry clay and put your feet on the rock to stay. Jesus did that. Hallelujah. So here we've got a tempter that's tempting us to follow but we've got we to be careful what we're listening to in our lives. Listen, church, you can speak in tongues on Sunday and listen to the wrong voice on Monday. Amen. Don't get so full of yourself that you think because you spoke in tongues that you're above anything. You can live above, but it's Jesus Christ through you. Jesus is above sin. So if you're not letting Jesus rule and reign in your body, you're not above anything. That's why the disciples couldn't cast some demons out. Because Jesus said, you hadn't conquered anything yet. It's me in you that does the work. And too many people are trying to walk in the flesh, live in the flesh, and have dominion in the spirit. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. 
You'll never have dominion in the spirit as long as you walk in the flesh. But you begin to walk in the spirit. You begin to walk in Jesus Christ. You don't even have to have everything perfect yet. You take a step of faith and God says, ooh, I'll honor that. I'll use that. Oh, but they don't have all truth. That's okay. They gave me faith. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to use that. Begin to walk in the spirit. and You won't fulfill the deeds of the flesh. You meet somebody who's walking in the flesh and, and, and fulfilling the, the deeds of the flesh. Listen, that's you and me. You take the spirit of God off of us, that's every one of us. We're so quick to look down on people that are making or made mistakes in their lives. Oh, well, I've never done that. Huh. Huh. I was praying one time. Because my brother made mistakes in his lives, in his life. And I was praying one time, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm just in spirit of transparency. I just want to be real with you. I, I got to praying, and I prayed. I didn't realize I was doing it at the time because I was very sincere about it. But I prayed the Pharisee's prayer out on the street corner. Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like the others. That's what I prayed. From my heart, and I meant it sincere. And, and by the way, there's a level of truth. When you see sin, you are thankful that you're not in that. That's okay. You ought to be thankful that you don't have. And, and if you're not dealing with some things that other people are, you should thank God. Lord, I'm thankful I don't have to deal. But what are you dealing with? Or what, are, what is in your life that you're not dealing with? And so I prayed, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not dealing with what my brother's dealing with and that I, I haven't done what he's done. And Oh, skip two. <laughs> skip two. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, like John wrote, in the spirit, God took me instantly when I said that, picked me up and put me over the darkest hole. It, it, black doesn't even cover how dark this hole was. It was so dark, it had a feeling. And God hovered me over this endless black hole. And he said, look down in that hole. And so I did. He said, that's you. Oh, but wait, wait a second, God. No, 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 I, I'm the brother that didn't do these things. Wait, wait, God, I, I'm the one that received a call on my life at 18 when all the other dudes are out doing whatever they want. I'm praying at an altar and I'm seeking the face of God. I'm telling you, Satan will come in even in the church and he'll slip up next to you and he'll just start giving you those thoughts. You can be at church. You can be in the house of God and not have the right spirit. I'm just being transparent. Here I am. I'm pointing out, God, I didn't do this and I thank, I'm thanking you even. How could that be wrong? And God says, no, that's you. You take the hand of God off your life. And these are the words the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, you take my hand off your life and you are worse than your brother. Ooh. You hear me, church? We're so busy condescending to everybody that's out there making mistakes. Oh, God. Would you hear this preacher right now? We've got no claim to fame except for Jesus Christ. We've got no goodness in our lives except what Jesus is doing. 
you take the presence of God off our lives, we're worse than someone else. Oh, well, they're doing this. You keep telling yourself that. God's grace is the only reason why you have goodness in your life. God's mercy is the only reason why we've got anything good happening in our lives. Oh, give me a better amen in this house if you believe that. You may not want to hear it, but it's the truth. Stop condescending to people who are making mistakes right now. Of course we don't agree with it, but we got to love them. Hear me, I'm rubbing up against some folks right now. I'm pushing against some things that you, you've drawn some lines in your life and you've made it holy. You've made your hatred holy. You've made your, your, your antagonism as justified. God has given me a word for this church. It's time to start loving the backslider. It's time to start loving the person that's doing wrong. It's time to get busy loving them. I didn't say condoning them. I didn't say go push them further in and say, oh, you're going to heaven. But it's time to start loving people that are doing wrong right now. You want to see revival in this church? We got to get love back in our hearts. Oh, well, well, I'm loving them enough to condemn them. That is such a twisted way of thinking. I'm going to love them enough to hate them. I know this is strong preaching, but I felt a spirit rise up when I was studying this week. I felt a spirit rise up. There are some things we got to pull down. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Before he could get back down, they created a golden calf that they were worshiping. There are some golden calves that we got to tear down in our lives. You want to move of God? Tear some things down. Well, I thought it was what we stood for. Well, some things you can't stand for as long as you got idols still hanging around. You can't stand like you're supposed to as long as you're carrying around those idols. Idols of hatred. Idols of condescension. Idols of, of I'm better than you because I don't do what you do. Listen, you take the hand of God off your life, you're worse than them. You're worse than what they're addicted to. You're worse than where they're at. Well, I'm sorry, that's what God told me anyway. And that was a wake-up call to this old boy. Don't you pray and gloat over what you're not. Don't you gloat over what you haven't done. Because it's a sinister way to put yourself above somebody. When you celebrate what you never did, you're secretly gloating that you're, not, that you're better than someone else. It's time to humble ourselves. You know what I did? I got to praying, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm not as good as my brother. You say, that's, that's weird. You didn't do what he did. No, I didn't, never have. I'm not even tempted to with those things. But I started praying, Lord, I want to be better because of you, not because I did something better than my brother. I've told you the story of my dad. He made mistakes in life, no secret. But you know what? I had to get to a place where I started thanking God for my dad. I had to start thanking God and say, God bless him. I want him blessed. 
despite his mistakes. Because you know what? You take the hand of God off of my life, I'm worse than my dad. You're worse than the person that you're grading yourself. You know what God told me about my dad? He said, stop grading yourself to the bar that your dad set. Because I was going through life that somehow I didn't do what he did, so I'm somehow better. And the Holy Ghost told me, he said, you stop grading yourself to others. He said, I'm the only bar. Your dad is not the bar. That other person is not the bar. I'm the only bar. When you get to heaven, you're not going to beat, beat anybody else and say, but Jesus, I'm better than so-and-so. I did better than them. That's not going to be the bar. Guess who you're going to see in heaven? You're going to see Jesus. He's the bar. Hallelujah. The Bible says that in Noah's day, they, they didn't have a conscience. 1 Timothy 4.16 puts it this way in the New Testament. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Watch this. Having their conscience seared. The Bible doesn't say they don't have a conscience. It's there, but they have severed it. They've cut it. Everybody you meet has a conscience. It's whether they are listening to it or not. Church, we're no different. You can start serving God and you can get in cruise control and you stop listening to your conscience. Don't sever your conscience. Just because you're a step above from who's living in the world, don't you measure your life to them. Measure to the Word of God. We're not better than anybody. You take the presence of God out of all of our lives. We're worse than everybody that we're somehow better than in our minds. Don't sever your conscience. Everyone that is backslidden or away from God, they've got a conscience, but it might be severed. And Timothy says it's a slippery slope when you sear your conscience. It starts with departing from truth. Then you start listening to seducing spirits. Hear this preacher today. Pretty soon, Timothy says you're into devil territory. You're telling yourself lies just to make yourself feel better in your sin. And church, if we're not careful, we'll do that even living for God because old habits are hard to break. Can I challenge you? You need to break every old habit, including the one that justifies the things you don't want to do. Because you can come to church every Sunday, and as long as you're not doing what God wants you to do... You're holding on to an old habit that's of the flesh. I said it earlier, we walk in the spirit, not by sight. And God is wanting us to walk in the spirit by faith. And every time, even coming to church, we can choose what line we won't walk past. No, I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. Good luck with that. Because that's an old pattern of the flesh. That's the flesh trying to rule and reign in our bodies. I won't do this or that. Let the Spirit lead you. These things were happening in Noah's generation. Amen. And there's coming another day where you've got to be in the ark to be saved. There's coming another day. The door's going to close. And that time is closer than it's ever been. Amen. And so there was a lack of consciousness, conscience in their lives. 
They didn't have a conscience. They allowed themselves to have a severed conscience. Folks, it's time to get back to a conscience in our lives. Uh, when I grew up, I didn't understand what, that was a big word, conscience. I didn't know what that meant. You know what I thought of? That little birdie that used to sit on our shoulder and it would tap on us and say, uh-uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. When did we stop listening to that? When did we stop listening to the little birdie that would sit on our shoulder and, and say, oh, you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing this? I remember being a little boy. I remember that little voice. It spoke so loud, but then we grow up and we learn how to turn it off. Why? Because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to hear those voices that tell us we're wrong. Another spirit that has risen up in recent years, the spirit of unwillingness to be told you're wrong. And maybe that's been in every generation, but I see a surgence of this. There is a surging of that spirit. You will not tell me I'm wrong. Folks, we're all wrong except for Jesus Christ. We're all liars except for the word of God. Amen. We've got to be okay with being told we're wrong sometimes. And being okay and not being offended at that. Amen. In fact... If you're offended when you're told you're wrong, there might be something you need to change in your life. Amen. Need to be okay being told from the word of God that this needs to change in your life. It's the only way we grow up in Christ. And so they had a severed conscience. The second thing that I see in the days of Noah, they also didn't have a care. They not only had, had severed their conscience, they, had, they, they lived as if there was no care. They married and were giving in marriage and they just were doing whatever they wanted to do as in the days of Noah. And just in the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah, Luke uh, verse 26 says, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Boy, if that's not a picture of where we're living right now. We don't care what the Word of God says. We'll do what we want. In fact, I'm going to meddle a little bit. We don't care what the pastor says. We're still going to do whatever we want. And everybody needs a pastor in your life. We need a preacher. This pastor needs a pastor in his life. I need to be able to be on the phone with, with somebody that has a pastor role in my life and they tell me I'm wrong and then not be offended by it. Amen. We all need a pastor just as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be when the Son of Man comes. While Noah was preaching for people to get right, people were busy ignoring him and going about as if normal days. Do you feel that around you? People just want normal back. Folks, normal isn't coming back. And I'll go one step further. I don't want normal to come back. You say, what? I'm not saying I don't want the mask to go away. I, I'm not saying I don't want the pandemic to go away. I want all that to go away, but I don't want normal to come back. Because you know what happened in normal? We were increased with goods and had need of nothing. We were wealthy. We were, we were, oh, we had it all. And in one calendar year, we realized 
that the earth could stop on a dime. Suddenly people started doing inventory in their lives. Suddenly people started praying and seeking God like they hadn't done before. Same thing happened in 9-11. I never want 9-11 to happen again, but I'd love to have 9-12. Because you know what happened on 9-12? Churches were filled. Altars were full. People had a heart for God. There wasn't Americans versus Italy or France or, or, or uh, uh, England or, 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 well, they're an ally, but, but anywhere else. It, it wasn't different people. It, we were all one. We were just the human race on 9-12. We need to get back there. I don't want normal to come back where we just get into this, oh, well, we don't have to try too hard. And No, maybe we do. I want to get a heart for God. I want, to, I, want, I want to get dialed into what God wants us to do. I want to get dialed into what God is doing, not just what we want him to do. See, the flood was coming, and Noah begins to say, not just what he wanted to say, but he begins to call people to repentance. He begins to say, it's going to rain, and they mocked him. And they looked at him funny. What are you doing, building a boat? Hadn't even rained. The flood was coming, but they didn't have a care. They refused to change. They refused to hear the preacher. They refused to hear the counsel of their pastor. Can I, can I remind you that while none of us are perfect, and the pastor may not be perfect in your life, no matter where you attend. Amen. God will still use the minister in your life to speak into your life. And you need to be submitted to that voice in your life. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say, if you can't submit to the man of God where you're at, you need to get to a church where you can. Because your soul hangs in the balance. Your soul hangs in the balance. And if you're not willing to hear the voice of the preacher who's saying, get right, get right in your life, you're going to ignore the voice to where it goes silent. And not that I'm going to quit preaching, but that's what they did. They didn't have a care. They severed their conscience and the voice went quiet. The voice went quiet as in the days of Noah. I know I'm preaching a, a straight-as-an-arrow message today, but I feel stirred to preach this to you. You need to hear this preacher today. Just like the days of Noah, the end is drawing near today, and there are ears today that don't want to hear it. But we're going to keep preaching, and we're going to keep inviting, and we're going to keep calling people to the ark. Don't stop. Don't stop. Even if it looks like they're tuning you out and turning you off, don't stop preaching the message. Your loved ones need to be in here. Hear me, church. Your loved ones need to be here. That backslider needs to be here. That coworker needs to be here. Yes, they do. And they've got to hear you preach. Not just the pastor. The whole church is preaching. Are you preaching? Are you reaching? Are you calling? Matthew gives us an account of what it's going to be like when the door closes to the ark again. 
Matthew 24 begins this way in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the, in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Verse 40, then shall two be in the field and one shall be taken and the other one left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Oh, would you hear this preacher today? Don't you stop reaching. Don't you stop preaching. Because we don't know what hour he's coming. Keep reaching for that, that backslidden daughter, that backslidden son. Keep reaching for that cousin, that, that aunt, that uncle. You keep reaching for that mother or that father or that son or daughter, or whoever it may be. You keep preaching. You keep reaching. Because we know not when the Son of Man is going to come. And for those of us that are convinced that we've got another lifetime to wait, folks, it's just wrapping up. Come on, listen to this preacher today. This thing is wrapping up. We know not the hour that he's coming back. We don't have another lifetime to just sit there and not do anything. We've got to get right, stay right, live right, get in, get in the ark. Hallelujah. I'm preaching for somebody's soul today. Hallelujah. If you want to be caught up on that day, you got to be caught up today. You say, what do you mean by that? If you want to be caught up when the, the skies open, you got to get busy being caught up now. Caught up in your prayer life. Caught up in your worship life. Caught up in your altar life. Hallelujah. Caught up in your faithfully assembling of yourselves to the house of the Lord. <clears throat> I know this isn't real popular, but it's a message that needs to be preached. We got to be ready, church. And in the days of Noah, they didn't care. They didn't have a care. They were, they were living like they owned the world. And just like in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. There are people all around us that are living like they've got another lifetime. They're living as if nothing could ever happen. Their kingdom could never come down. Oh, it's coming, church. Hear me. It's coming. It's coming. There's a shifting in the world. It's coming. But we are not like those who have no hope. Huh. I want everybody to be saved, but it's time to get saved now and not wait. We got to get saved now. Hear me, church. It's time to get right now. It's time to repent now. You don't have time to wait another lifetime to get right. It's time to get your life right now. It's time to be committed 100% now. Huh. If you're here today, can I encourage you? Give a care. Yeah. 
as in the days of Noah, they didn't care. Can I, can I encourage you and implore you today? Give a care today. Please care about your soul today. Please care about where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I wonder, is there anybody that's hungry for more? I'm hungry for more. How about you? I just want more. I've been preaching since the day we got here that the altar is not just for sinners. We've got to remove the stigma off of what it means to walk forward and come and stand at the altar. Too many times we made the altar for the sinner. Hey, sinners are welcome too. But you know what the, the altar is great for? It's great for hungry people that just want more of God's presence. Church, that's what our altar is for. And guess what? The sinners will come if the church comes. We expect more out of sinners than sometimes what we expect out of ourselves. Well, we want them to be saved, but I'm not doing anything. I want them to come to God, but I won't come. I want them to get a breakthrough, but I'm not going to break through. I want them to change their life, but I'm not going to change me. He's coming. He's coming soon. God wants this church to wake up. And last week and even recent services was a picture of the church waking up. <laughs> Hopefully you hadn't forgotten what transpired here just seven days ago. Oh my, what a move of God was in this place. What a shaking of the atmosphere. What a moving and a shifting of the atmosphere that took place in this house. Can I tell you, the Holy Ghost did not come in and do anything that we did not partner with. Because it takes us and the Holy Ghost. That's not me taking credit for anything. We can't take credit for anything. But the Holy Ghost won't come in and do anything that we object to. We had to be in harmony with what was happening last week. And for those that got in harmony and in sync with what God was doing last week, you got a breakthrough. I wonder if somebody that felt the presence of God in a different way last week would give me an amen right now and thank God. Would you just worship God for the shifting that happened last week? You partnered with it. Come on, church. You partnered with it. You said, I want it. You said, I'm stepping in. You said, I can't wait another service. You said, I want it right now. You said that. Woo! And when we get busy saying, I want a change, I want a difference, then the Holy Ghost comes in. And he makes a difference. Oh, somebody say amen if you felt it. Hallelujah. What a great service that was. But you know what? We're not going to build a golden calf around one service and act like that was somehow a one-off. No, every time we come in the house of God, I'm going to push for a move of God. Because you don't know who's in this service that needs one. That they may not have been in last week's service. Or if you were here last week, can I tell you the journey's never over. Keep coming to the altar. Keep coming in the presence of God. And so finally, not only did they not have a conscience, not only did they not have a care, but I see in the days of Noah, they did have something. 
There was a family that got something. There was a cause. While the whole world didn't have a conscience, the whole world didn't have a care, there was a man that stood up and said, is there not a cause? Now, he's not the one that said that. That was David on the, on the battlefield with Goliath. But similarly, Noah stood up and he looked around and he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to stand up and do what no one else is doing? Sometimes you're going to have to do what no one else is doing. You're going to have to do what even your flesh doesn't want to do. But when you do, there's a cause that comes on you. There's a purpose and a passion that comes into your life. Noah may have been the only man that stood up, but he and his family did what no one else was doing. And they got a cause. In the days of Noah, there were those in his family that were sold out. They went all in. They gave it everything they had. I'm so thankful for a family that didn't take their cues from the world. I'm thankful for a man that didn't care if the whole world was going to be lost. I'm going to be saved. Doesn't matter what the whole world does. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in the ark. I'm going to give it everything I've got. Whether my family follows me or not, thankfully his family did. And it shows leadership. Can I just speak to the men? Your family will follow you. Your family will follow you. Can I just stir you in the Holy Ghost right now? Your family will follow you. So here's the truth. What pattern are you setting? What example are you setting in your family? Are you faithful to the house of God? That's great. Are you a worshiper in the presence of God? That's great if you are. Amen. But we set the tone. Don't make your kids and your family break through a ceiling that you're setting. Hear me, church. Noah put the ceiling so high that the whole, the whole world could have got in the boat if they could get there, if they weren't severed in their conscience, so many could have got in there. He set the bar so high that as many as could fit in there, they could have got in the boat. But they didn't. They didn't get in the ark because Noah's bar was set so low. His bar was set high. Don't make your family have to break through a ceiling that you're setting. To get to God. To get in the presence of God. While it seemed like the whole world had lost their ever-loving minds, Noah catches a vision. He catches the presence of God. And he says, I'll build. I'll do what no one else is doing. I'll do it like no one else if that's what you call me to do. That's what this church is being brought to. We're going to do it like no one else is doing it. Doesn't matter what the world thinks. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks. I'm going to get in the presence of God. Hallelujah. There's coming this shifting in the atmosphere where there's a, a spirit of a Noah in the house that says, I'm going to please God no matter whether anybody else is or not. Hallelujah. Revival starts with you first. Well, we want revival. Then let it start with you. Revival starts with me, not with anybody else. 
And if we all would take that on, God would move in our lives. And I'm thankful that he is. Last week was such an, an indicator of that. When you do it for yourself, God, God, he breaks it. He moves it. He shifts it when we partner with it. There were bad things in, de- in the days of Noah, just like today. But while the world was falling apart, Noah says, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to do what no one else is doing. The Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament that in the end time there would be a great falling away. But he also says there will also be a great end time revival. So while there were many that didn't make it in the earth, or in the, in the ark rather, many in the earth didn't make it in the ark. Just Noah's family. But there was still revival in Noah's day. It was Noah's family. Hear me, church. In the midst of a dark world, there is still revival going to take place. There's revival that's happening in this church. In the midst of so much going wrong, there is revival happening in this church. Oh, say amen like you believe it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So at the end of the day, we can't let sin set the tone. We can't let their actions set the tone. We've got to let God set the tone for what he wants to do. And I'm here to tell you, God is doing revival. At the same time that people are walking away, God says, I'm going to give an anointing. In fact, I'm of the opinion this anointing is going to be increased. The same way sin has increased in the world, I believe there's coming an anointing in the church. There is coming an anointing that is going to be increased in the church. Hear me. The way you got to praying for one another, there are going to be notable miracles, and I'm not going to be the one that prayed for them. You're going to pray for them. And they're going to get healed. They're going to get their eyesight back. They're going to get strength in their legs. The cancer's going to go. And pastor didn't pray for them. There's going to be an increase in the anointing. You're going to lay your hands on them, and they're going to begin to speak in tongues. There's coming an increase. There's coming an increase. I I don't believe that God is going to be second to anything. And if wickedness is going to increase in the world, I believe God's righteousness is going to increase in the church. If, if, if spiritual wickedness is going to increase in the world, I believe God's anointing is going to increase in the church. Now, there are many miracles that we don't know that Jesus did because the Bible tells us and many other things he did. And we don't know even what he did. He did so many things we don't even know of. But you know one thing I don't read? I'm not saying he didn't do it or couldn't have done it. He certainly could and probably did. Because I see the disciples do it. But what I don't actually read in the Bible is where Jesus' shadow went across somebody and healed them. The Bible doesn't say that. But guess what? The disciples did. Now, I'm not saying Jesus didn't do it or couldn't do it, but I'm saying there are some things that when you get into an anointing, God will equip you and God will anoint you to do what others are not doing. The Bible doesn't even say Jesus' shadow healed them. Probably did, because if the disciples did it, he did it, no doubt. But we don't read that in Scripture. But yet we, re- we read where the disciples walk through a crowd and the shadow 
I believe there's an anointing coming on this church. In the name of Jesus. Devil, you have robbed enough. You have distracted enough. You've torn down enough. You've had your hand in far too long. And in the name of Jesus, for everything that you have wrought, I release a fresh anointing on this church. For everything you have touched and torn down, I command the canker worm to take its hand off and I I command tenfold increase on every distracted heart, on every backslid heart, on every cold spirit. I command you to come alive and not just come alive. I command an anointing. I command a fresh anointing. I command a greater anointing in the name of Jesus. Oh, listen, if the devil can tear down, God can build up. If the devil can wreak havoc, God can bring in peace and unity. If the devil can divide, God can bring together and heal it. In the name of Jesus, if the devil can kill, God can raise it up. If the devil can make it cold, God can make it on fire. Hallelujah. If the devil can cause some to sleep, if some sleep, God can wake it up. Oh, it's time to go all in. It's time to get a cause. It's time to be the church with a vision. Stand to your feet all over this place. Oh, I know I spent time talking about the darkness of Noah's day. I know I spent time talking about as in the days of Noah, how distracted they were. But I'm here to tell you also in the days of Noah, they got anointed. There was a family that got anointed. And their anointing matched everything that the devil threw at them. Because Noah's family lived. Noah's family made it. Because they obeyed the word of God. They got in the ark. Can I tell you, no matter what the enemy is going to do in your life, God's got better for you. No matter what the enemy is trying to do for you, God's got more for you. Hallelujah. For every year that has been distracted and the devil has stolen away your passion, God's going to multiply your years. God's going to multiply your anointing. God's going to multiply what you've lost. If you've lost in this last year, oh, come on, church. If you've lost, if you've lost something in your life and it, you know it, you can quantify it. You can put your finger on it. God's going to give back to you. God will not be less than the enemy. God will not be less than what the devil did. God will not do less than what the enemy has done in your life. So I now release you in the Holy Ghost and I speak increase. 
to every heart that has been injured in the last year or two. I speak healing over your life. I speak, I speak healing in your life in Jesus' name. For everyone that has felt loss in your life, for everyone that has gone without the Holy Ghost, huh, it's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wonder if you feel a stirring in your life, a stirring in your heart. It's time to get in the ark. It's time to get right and be right and stay right. Hallelujah. Because God wants to give back. Hands lifted all over this place. If you're ready for God to restore back to you what the devil has been trying to steal. What the devil has stolen in your life. You're ready to receive what God would give back to you. Come on, lift your hands in the house today.